Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of Truth Tidbits, episode 41. <coughs> Excuse me, as we continue reading through the scriptures this year, just in different places each day, I do encourage you to go through the scriptures and in a daily pattern. Make sure you're reading the word every day. Follow some kind of Bible reading plan if that will help you. Be led by the Spirit of God and let the Word of God get in you each and every day. And so today I'm kind of reading through the book of Isaiah again, and I may continue on all through the prophets after Isaiah. We'll see what the Lord directs. But in addition to my uh, daily episodes of, of Truth Tidbits, I've been reading in the book of Isaiah. And today, I do want to speak from Isaiah and connect it to something that Jesus talked about and wrap this up in that way. But I want to read in Isaiah chapter 5, and I'd like to read the first seven verses to start us off. In Isaiah chapter 5, the Lord is speaking here. He says this, Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes. But it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard than that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now, please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned, and break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste, it shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no more on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry. And my version says for help. It's really an outcry or a cry of distress. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this because in the Gospels, it's interesting that we find this almost uh, identically spoken of with a few more details through the words of Jesus, and it was one of the parables he, he gave when he was, he was not far from uh, his death and coming to the cross and all of that. It was near to that time period when this happens. But he encounters these Pharisees, the religious leaders that are opposed to him again and all of that. And so it says this in Matthew chapter 21, I'm going to read several verses here, beginning with verse 33. Matthew 21, verse 33. Here another parable. <clears throat> there was a certain landowner, <coughs> excuse me, 
Here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Exactly what we just read in Isaiah chapter 5. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then, last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? He gave them the opportunity to respond. They said to him, He will destroy those wicked men with miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruit in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builder builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone this was the lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes and he quoted that from psalm 118 jesus continues verse 43 therefore i say to you the kingdom of god will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it and whoever falls on this stone will be broken but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. So Jesus expands on, expands our understanding on this Isaiah 5 vineyard and the fruit and all of that. And so I'd like to discuss that just a few minutes today. And hopefully this will be an encouragement to you and help you in your walk with the Lord as a Christian. What Jesus is saying here is he's picking back up from Isaiah 5, giving us a, a little more of the details. It matches Isaiah 5 perfectly in the sense of the vineyard with the tower and the, you know, all of the beauty that God did and the, the wonderful thing that God did. And he prophetically spoke about that. Well, you know, they went into um, the captivity earlier, the Babylonian captivity, because of their sin. Isaiah, Jeremiah, and many others had prophesied about that. God miraculously brought them back home, rebuilt. They rebuilt the temple. They rebuilt the wall, all of that kind of stuff. Now we come to Jesus' time, and guess what? The, the vineyard is still bearing wild grapes. It's not bearing good fruit. This vineyard that God has been so gracious to... And so merciful. And he asks, he says, what more could I have done to my vineyard than what I've done? So, you know, in the meantime, he sent all these prophets to warn them, to warn them, to try to turn them from their sin. These are these servants that it, Jesus speaks about here. They killed them. They stoned them. They, they wouldn't hear their word. So God says, I'm going to send my son. And he sends his son. And Jesus here prophetically speaks already of exactly what they will do to the son. And he says this, so they took him, cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. And that's exactly what they did. They took him, they, they arrested him. They took him outside of Jerusalem. It was still in Israel, but it was outside the, the city. 
outside the vineyard and killed him. And so the owner, Jesus is saying, the owner of the vineyard, God the Father, is not happy about that at all. And so he gives them the opportunity to answer him about, well, what's this owner of the vineyard going to do? And so they come back and they give him the answer. And in essence, they sealed their own doom. They speak in a way what their own judgment will be. And it did happen in 70 AD. And what God is talking about here, what Jesus is saying is the stone that, that the religious Jewish leadership of Israel at that time rejected being Jesus Christ has become the chief cornerstone. In other words, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I believe it is, that he would build his church and he is the cornerstone of the church. And lest we think that it, it is against the Jewish people, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, the very first early church was primarily Jewish believers. Peter and James and John and James, the brother of Jesus and Philip and, you know, Andrew and all of these others, they were Jewish men who loved Jesus and began to build this church. Even the apostle Paul was a Jew. It was originally very Jewish and it spread to the Gentile nation. And so this nation that he's talking about here that will bear the fruit of it is not a, a nation like America or Brazil or some other country. It is a group of believers called the church made up of Jewish and Gentile or Greek believers, whichever term you want to use, everybody who's not a Jew, it's made up of both. Because Paul expounds on that later in his epistles. He talks about how God has broken down that wall of partition between Jew and Gentile and made us one person, one whole body, one united body in Jesus Christ. And so when the Lord is talking here and he says, whoever falls on this stone, what stone? The chief cornerstone. The stone that he is, the one that is the foundation stone of the building of the church. Whoever falls on it will be broken. In other words, we have to come to a place where we call, we fall, so to speak, on our knees. You don't have to be on your knees. You can be driving in your car. You can be sitting in your living room. You know, you can be praying beside your bed. You can be cooking dinner wherever you are, whatever you are doing. You can call upon the name of the Lord right then and there. But it is talking about being broken, be recognizing, being convicted, being recognizing that we are sinners and we need Jesus' salvation. And when we do that and we are broken, he will then receive us. He will then forgive us. He will then set us free. But if we stand in an unrepentant state and we rebel against him, that's who he's talking about here on whoever it falls, it will grind him into powder. In other words, God gives us a season where we can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And in that sense, we are broken. We're broken through conviction and we come to him humbly. We call out to him and he saves us and he rescues us. And his goal is that we will then bear fruit for him. 
Praise be to God. That's what he wanted all along. That's what he wanted from the Jewish nation. And God is not done with the Jewish people. Oh, no. Read Romans 9 through 11. Oh, God is going to to do a mighty work and already is. And there's a great Messianic Jewish movement that's occurring already. People are coming to know Yeshua, the Messiah. There's a great move of God yet to occur among the Jewish people. Praise be to the Lord. And we can rejoice with them in that, just like the father of the prodigal rejoiced over the prodigal coming home. And, and he expected all of his family and servants to do the same. Hallelujah. And so there's great joy in that. But the church is the one now called upon by the Lord to bear fruit to him. Good grapes. God wants us to bear good grapes for him. Good fruit is what it's talking about. And it says this. I want to close with these two final scriptures. In John chapter 15 Verse 8, it says this, By this my Father is glorified. Jesus is speaking here. And he says, By this my Father is glorified. You want to know how we can glorify God? He says this, That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. He wants us to bear fruit for God. He wants us to bring him glory. And then it says over in verse 16 of chapter 15, that same chapter, John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. In other words, that it's eternal fruit. It's fruit that will stand the test of time. It's truth. It's fruit that is sincere and, and right, and it will remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. When we are bearing fruit for him, then heaven is open to us, not in a, in a fleshly or carnal way. There's other places that talk about when we pray amiss, we don't get what we want because our motives are not pure. But when we pray truly in accordance with Jesus' name, the Father hears that and the Father can answer our prayers and will hear our sincere prayers. Praise be to God according to his will and his timing. But God desires that his people bear good fruit and not only good fruit for this for this moment but good fruit that is of eternal value hallelujah and so we now have that opportunity and god is working a mighty work and we get to partner with him and be a part of that praise be to god and i want to close lastly with one final verse and <clears throat> this was just kind of brought back to my attention just now, and I don't want to miss the Spirit of the Lord. So in Isaiah 5, back in Isaiah 5, in verse 25, I just want to read the last part of verse 25. It says this, For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. In other words, even though his people rejected him, even though people have rejected him and, and brought upon themselves the consequences of their sins and, and have violated what his word says and all of that, yet in spite of all of that, his hand is stretched out still. In other words, he's still willing to save 
anyone that is repentant. He's still willing to reach out to them. It's, it's like the father of the prodigal. If you read that story in Luke chapter 15, go and read Luke 15 and read about that prodigal son. The father was looking every day. He was waiting. He was waiting for the son to come back, hoping today would be the day. Today, let today be the day that he comes home today. So it's like that father that is still, he's right there ready in the wings to receive back any prodigal, anyone that has been violating his word, anyone that has, has sinned against him, yet his hand is still outstretched. He's still willing and ready to save. He's still willing to rescue. He's still waiting for you to come home because now is the day of salvation today, today. Today, the Father will open his arms and receive any repentant sinner. And then they too will become part of this wonderful, beautiful church where the chief cornerstone is the Lord. And they can then turn around and begin to bear eternal fruit, good grapes from this vineyard that the Lord has planted. Praise be to God. I pray this has been a blessing to you today. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you today in Jesus' name.